0: So it is the beginning of a new year. It's the beginning of a new decade. And so it is an opportunity to uh, just consider how we are doing, uh, what things should be the same in our lives, what things should be changed in our lives. And so we will join with uh, thousands or tens of thousands of churches wondering the same thing as we talk about today. Bringing in the old and, or bringing out the old and bringing in the new, or ringing out the old and ringing in the new. It, it, ringing in is an expression that comes from church bells. Um, I don't know who it is that has the church bells up here that, at least through, certainly through the holiday season, we hear ringing when we leave this building. And it's a lovely sound, um, the bells ringing. Um, and there is a, a skill that is developed in those traditions where where people pull ropes to make the bells ring, and then the the change is the the particular order in which the bells are rung. So um, you ring the changes as you are a bell ringer. Um, I I suspect that's a skill or an art that is um, dwindling Uh, I I myself began college as um, an organ major, a a pipe organ major. I'm kind of glad now that I didn't stick with that, because I don't know very many people getting paid to play pipe organs, nor very many people being paid to pull ropes to make the the bells ring. So that's where the expression comes from. And so from Tennyson we have this long poem, that says, you know, the the old year's done, so let him go. We need to ring out the old and ring in the new. And we're going to do that this morning. And the way that we're going to do that is I'm going to ask you to find yourself in these four words, in whatever sort of context you would like to think of yourself Obviously, I think it would be good to be considering our faith, our walk with God, our relationships with one another. But which of these words, you don't have to say this out loud, um, but if, if you were to think about it, which of these four words describes where you are? Are you stuck? Are you done? Stuck means I don't know what to do next. I, I don't know how to get out of where i am now done says i'm just finished i'm i am i have nothing left i am done third word is that i'm in a pause so maybe for whatever reason this is a good time for me to pause in my life to reflect on my life to reflect on my relationships my job Um, And then fourthly, maybe you just say, I'm cruising. I have hit, you know, the the cruise control speed that I wanted to. I am now moving down the highway at 100 kilometers an hour. Everything is fine. Thank you very much. There may be some other conditions, but maybe these four kind of give us an assortment of ways in which we could think about how we're doing am I stuck somehow, that to move into 2020 and into this decade would mean that I have to maneuver my way out of this being stuck. There's something I don't know. There's something I can't do. Uh, There's something that is holding me back. If, as I'm going into 2020, I'm just at a place of saying I'm done. I have nothing left. then, well, there's a year to live still, and there's a decade to live into still, so it would be good to think about how we can respond to our doneness. What is it that makes us feel as though we're done, finished? What is it we're done with? Who is it we're done with? If it's a time for us to pause, that would be a great thing if we were to look at this year and say, okay, I'm going to take stock of where I've been, where I am, and I'm going to strategize for where I'm going to move to as I enter into this year and into this decade. If I'm cruising, then that's a good thing. And maybe, you know, finally there's a New Year's Day where I say, well, it's not like last year was or the year before that was or like every year before that has been. I really finally feel good. I think I have gotten some things figured out that I needed to uh, and I'm, I'm really going to keep sort of the way ahead just as it has been and, and that's a, a really good thing so if you're there you can't say and so maybe I'll just go get some coffee um, you probably have nothing to say I, th- I think there's probably still something to say um, as we first of all take stock of where we are so you don't have to tell anybody I promise and I'm not going to ask you, I promise. Um, but just make sure that you, you've you maybe landed on one and said, yeah, I think it's that one. I, I think that's where I am. And then we want to go ahead and look at the Bible's version of ring them out and ring them in, and the old's gone and the new is coming, all that kind of stuff. Because here is... Um, here is a Bible verse that is worth putting on your wall or putting on your wallpaper. Um, Thank you for whoever was falling asleep on the lights. No worries. Here's the verse. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining toward what is ahead, I press on. That's a great verse. Um, It's actually a little bit of two verses um, put together, and it's the Apostle Paul. And he is talking to some of his good friends in Philippi. And sometimes I think we we have this caricature of Paul. Now he has been informed by history and certainly by church history. And the apostle Paul, you know, was a giant. Um, He thought deep thoughts. He... was skillful in managing people and in situations. And so we probably have him kind of on a pedestal and think, well, yeah, that's the Apostle Paul. But the Apostle Paul says, here's where I'm at these days, forgetting what's behind, straining toward what is ahead, I press on. And we'll see at the very end that the context of that is he says, I don't think I have arrived. And those that would read his letter might have said, sure you have. Um, But Paul was a person with challenges just as we do. Paul may have been able to identify one or more um, in the list and say, yeah, that's kind of where I am. Paul had trouble with people sometimes. He had disagreements. He had falling outs with people. Um, He had enemies. I mean, there were people that were after him. There were people that were poisoning his reputation uh he had physical challenges there was something wrong with him um that he prayed and asked god to make him better and god didn't make him better he he told him just to to keep going that his grace was enough um at times paul was cruising he was you know he hit his speed and he was moving right along uh only sometimes to immediately you know have the brakes screech as Something else came along in his life. And so he he was definitely a person who uh, hadn't arrived someplace and was now teaching everybody else how to get to where he was. He was saying, here's, for me, what I'm going to land on. I'm going to forget what was past. I'm going to press forward to what is ahead. And we're going to keep going. So as we think about that this morning, I want to take apart that little verse and a half or so and just do some grammar with it, first of all. So what does this verse say? And whether you are one, two, three, or four, or some of the above of those stages or states of life, the word of the Lord for you, for all of us, is this. But one thing I do, I press on. All right? That is the main thrust of this verse. These are the main verbs of the verse. This one thing I do, I press on. We talked last year about for Tase, where we say to one another, perhaps today. Maybe this year, the thing we should learn to say to one another is, I press on. How are you? I'm pressing on. Isn't that a good way to think about how we're living our lives? Uh, I haven't arrived. Hopefully, we will not be at a place where we have to say I'm stuck, unless we are. Um, but if you say, how are you? Well, I'm pressing on. Because Paul said, that the one thing that I'm doing, my focus, my you know, resolution is I press on. Press on is a verb that means to propel into action. It was used of rowing. So if you can get that image in your mind that Paul said, here's the thing for me, the one thing that I'm focusing on, I am pushing forward and I am rowing. We lived in St. Catharines for a while and it was always fun to go to henley and watch the rowers and watch the pace of rowing and just how so many people um would just get into a rhythm into the same time so that everyone's contribution contributed to the way they would would go down the river Uh, and paul says that's it i here's what i'm doing i'm rowing i'm rowing on uh maybe sometimes it's fast Maybe sometimes it's slow, maybe sometimes it's easy, there's a current, there's a wind. Maybe sometimes it's hard because there's a current, there's a wind. But I'm pressing on. So I would challenge you that whatever it is we would say about how we are doing, if we identify ourselves in one of those four, I would challenge you to, to strive to be able to say, nonetheless, this one thing, I press on. That's what I'm doing. I'm pressing on. I'm going to get through it. People who struggle with chronic illness, I think, learn far more than the, most of us that, that that is how living life goes. It is one day at a time. Managing the pain one day at a time. Or being able to get out of bed one day at a time. And Paul said, yeah, this, this one, I press on. That's, that's what I'm doing, to impel, to put in rapid motion, to row. The way the other verbs contribute to this is that they are participles, and it would be appropriate to use the word by with the participles. So the main verb is, one thing, I press on by doing two other things. So if we are identifying one of those places, and we're saying, and so I want to be able to say, I press on, then Paul would say, I press on by doing two things, or by having two disciplines in my life. One is by forgetting, and the other is by straining. So forgetting, what is behind, he says. So what is it that you need to forget? Because it's either causing your being stuck um, or whatever it is, whatever the thing is that um, is in your mind or kind of gets in your heart as you think about, well, I would like to be able to say I press on. But then Paul would say, yeah, I, I press on because I'm able to forget what's behind. So I think about how that would go in our lives. There there are a few sort of scenarios, thought-wise, um, and I'm, I'm drawn to Frozen. We, we should all just sing a verse of Let It Go. It's good theology, right? It was wrong, and I can't undo it. It's something I would have to let go, have to forget. It was wrong. I can't undo it. I have confessed it, I have tried to make amends, I have, but every single day it creeps into my mind as an accusation that says, what are you thinking about, you know, pressing on? Look what you did. And we need to be able to count on the forgiveness, the grace of God, the mercy of God, the kindness of one another, um, because that can get you stuck. Or it can get you done, where you say, I have every New Year's made a new resolution about this, and then I break the resolution, so there's no point anymore. I'm done. I'm finished. Another thing is that I might have to forget it, because it, it was disappointing. It wasn't worth it. It was something I had a lot of hopes in, and I invested myself in, you know, this whole last year, this whole last ten years or twenty years, and honestly, now when I think about it, it's I'm just disappointed. It didn't it didn't bring the satisfaction, the success that I thought it would bring, and I'm now finally ready to say I'm done with that. It was it was disappointing. It just didn't do the trick. Um, And we're pretty stubborn about that, right? We say, well, I'm still sure it was a good idea. I'm still sure it was a good investment. I'm still sure it was a a good approach. But maybe now we have to say, but I can't press on because I'm stuck with that or I'm feeling like I'm done because of that. I'm feeling tired out because of that. I'm feeling as though I can't get my momentum because of that. Sometimes we have to forget about what we succeeded at. Um, we had a an interesting holiday long ago with our kids when, when two of them, I think, were finishing university, and we all went to Cuba. It was a bad idea um, because what we forgot was that every other university student in Canada also was on holidays. They had also just finished school. And so we stayed in this... And another bad idea is to stay in anything two stars in Cuba, right? Lesson learned. Um, however, at one point, Brendan said something that I thought was really interesting. That there were these hot guys and gorgeous girls all over the beach, right? And Brendan says, but don't you get it that this is the zenith for them? I said, well, what do you mean? He said, this is as good as it gets. He's probably quarterback of the football team. She's a cheerleader. And this is as good as it gets for them. From here on in, they may be taking nosedives, failing in various ways. Maybe maybe some of them will succeed, but it was sort of a new way to look at the activity on the beach. And sometimes we get to a place where we kind of feel like we've arrived. We've, we've done what we intended to do. We've gotten what we hoped to get. And so now we're just going to cool it. And Paul might actually say about that, no, no, no. You still have to press on. Forget it. It doesn't matter what accolades you were given last year. It doesn't matter how well you did in school. It doesn't matter. Um, it really doesn't matter because that's over. There's a new year. There's a new decade. There's a new generation. So don't be saying you're done. Forget that. Sometimes I think we also have to say the good old days are also over. So the good old days are always over, which is an interesting phenomenon because the good old days never actually were. If someone can prove me wrong on that, that's good. But the good old days that people describe to me that I remember being part of, they were not good old days. We remember fondly things that didn't happen. Um, But we can also get stuck on not being able to press on because things keep on changing and they don't do it the way we used to. Church is the worst culprit for that, where we say they don't do it the way we used to do it, and properly so. Um, So we need to say, well, uh, we'll forget that. We'll forget that. Um, there, There were times in the history of the evangelical church where the way you dressed to go to church was very important. And those were, in some sense, the good old days. You dressed up to go to church. If the Queen of England were to come and be, would you? Yeah, you know. But I remember many people who were turned away from the church because they showed up without a shirt and tie or a hat or whatever it was. And that's only a simple little illustration. What we need to do is say... The good old days, the way it was doesn't cut it and shouldn't cut it, we need to get on and just say, forget that. So what do, you, what do you need to forget so that you can press on? Whatever it is that comes to mind when you identify your your spot among the four, maybe you should think about what you have to do about that thing. What way would be, it be easily or practically made forgotten for you to press forward? That was perfect syntax right there, wasn't it? Like words that don't belong together. The second thing is not only by forgetting, but by straining forward. And um, the straining word, it, it just calls to mind the athlete. It's the language of an athlete. He's going to talk about the prize that we're straining toward. And the verb there means to stretch forward to. So just try, I mean, just even do it. Stretch forward and you, you get the feeling, right? That you're, you're, you're looking for something, stretching toward it. You see a runner, you know, maybe there are a few people coming to the finish line and the one that stretches just past the others, is the one who gets the gold ribbon right first he's stretched past i think in the stretching of the christian life um there are some components that that we would be helped by i think straining forward talks about vision talks about effort talks about direction talks about goal um you know where where am i headed what's what's my vision um, the The vision of the best me as a Christ follower, the best me in whatever relationships or whatever context I find myself in. What What is my vision that I that I can almost taste? I can see it ahead of me. Um, what effort do I need to put into it? Um, one of our boys, Dan, was a great long distance runner, and he, he came to the point, I think he was in grade five, and he said he didn't want to run any longer because his knees were shot. Well, good luck if you're in grade five and your knees are shot. The truth was he was bored by it. He, he ended up playing rugby, which was much more interesting for his personality, but he didn't want to put the effort into the run wasn't worth it he, he had no vision of what he should be running for so there was no point in putting any effort into it um, the straining forward has direction I mean if you strain forward to the wrong thing that's kind of nonsensical um, so if all of a sudden you've you've done the you know the old thing of Climbing the ladder of success and then getting to the top and discovering it was up against the wrong wall, right? That's what they say. So all that effort Wasn't worth anything Because you had the wrong vision you were going to the wrong you know Fulfillment that you had in your mind Um, And then the goal is well, what is it? What is it that you ultimately want to achieve? When you're all done, what what do you want people to say about you? Um, Mike had Rebecca's service, and what a beautiful service to to commemorate a life, and the things that were said, um, anyone would love to think they might be said about you, you know But she's done. And she lived her life intentionally, courageously. And when it's all said and done, good things are said about her. Eulogy means good word. Good word. We, we long at the end of our lives for people to be able to say a good word about us. And if it were all done, if someone blew the full-time whistle and said, that's it, time's up, um, what would they say about me and about you? Um, we, we, can, we can just kind of beat ourselves up about that and we all could probably immediately think about the bad things that could be said, the, the deficiencies that we know, the failures and all of that. Um, give yourself a break and just ask if someone were to say something nice about you, what would it be? Because it might well be true. And it might well be worth writing down somewhere or strengthening or shaping in the context of pressing on. So we're first of all going to forget some things that are necessary to be left in the past. We're also going to strain forward To some things that are for us for the future, but we're going to press on. One thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining toward what is ahead, I press on. Here's the fuller context in this passage He says, Not that I have already obtained all this. And that's it, right? So none of us has. So we're all in the school. We're all learning. We're all somewhere along the pathway. Um, And and Paul says, and me too. I I haven't got this figured out. I mean, it's Paul who says, I'll tell you the truth. The things that I know I should do, I agree with. I want to do those things. I can't figure out why what actually happens is that the things I don't want to do, I end up doing go figure it out i'm a wretch that's Paul so if, if any of us is sitting here thinking now you don't know my story no but there's Paul who says i've got it all figured out I have the right theology i have I have chapters on you know anthropology and homardiology and all of the things that people ought to know I wrote I wrote to the Romans about all of this, and they've studied my stuff forever. But actually, to tell you the truth, I'm a wretch. I do what I don't want to do. I don't do what I should be doing. There you go. So he says, it's not that I've already obtained all this, or I've already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Why did he save you? What did he want from me? Okay, clear, clear the deck here. He didn't want anything. But he had something in mind. We are, says the St. Paul, we are God's workmanship, created in advance for the good works that are prepared for us to do so. God had something in mind. He doesn't want anything, because you can't do anything. You can't make him love you more or less. It is, it is only grace when it cannot be purchased. It cannot be worked for. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know that practically in my life yet i'm still convinced there's something i have to do there's some person i have to be before i'm loved we spend our whole lives to discover that grace is totally free and so so we juxtapose that with something else that is but god has a, an idea Um, When he saved Wayne, he said, what can we do with this character? What's he good at? What does he love? Where will we see him serving, working, being busy? Um, And so Paul says, this is is where I'm at. He said, I'm pressing on to take hold, to, to, to really grasp that for which Jesus grasped me. So you should think about that um, as you retool for this year and say, if if I'm going to press on, I should have some notion of what the goal is. What is it for which I was taken a hold of? And again, best thing is to ask somebody else. Uh, you know, just say, if, if I were to... to write a script or a plan for what this year might be or what this 10 years might be. From what you know of me, what would be my best contribution? In what way could I serve you and others and and Christ well? Because the the thing I discover is that uh, things that are obvious to people that know us are not obvious to us you know, when when we do some sort of um inventory of personality or gifts or something, undoubtedly somebody will end up saying, This says that I am this kind of person, am I? And the group goes, Duh Of course you are. You think, wow. Similarly, if you were to ask, um I'm sorta of thinking that th- this is the way my life could be directed, does that make sense to you? And someone says, makes sense to me, that is you. That's exactly, that is exactly where I think you should be pulling the oars, right there, Uh, and, and press on. I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You are supposed to be a prize winner. Um, The ridiculous thing about the prize metaphor of scripture is a lot of it comes from the Greek games and all that kind of stuff. But every time you chase it to the end, what you finally do with the prize is you throw it down. Because you don't get to keep it. So you got to get your head around that, that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run like crazy to win this prize. Why? Because when I get there, I want to throw it at Jesus' feet. And, and, and then your motives are, are, are true, right? Because you say, I'm not, I'm not doing this for any kind of glory at all. The glory is his. And so if, if, if I'm standing there thinking, I want something with which I can thank Jesus. How about a prize that you brought along with you from the game and you can give that to him. So he says, I'm pressing on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. It's the beginning of a new year, the beginning of a new decade. Um, One thing I press on, forgetting what's done, and straining towards what's ahead. If if you can't find some flesh to put on those bones, um, I don't know. I, I think for all of us, there's some way that we need to say, "Here's how I'm going to press on. I'm going to dump that, ring that out, and I'm going to." Bring that on because I want to be able to say this one thing I do, I press on.